Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, I know I've got a, uh, a tough fight with the free food and booze. So I wish you, uh, I thank you very much. My name is Roy Feintuch. I'm a Checkpoint's uh, chief technologist for the cloud. Previously working uh, eight years with uh, Dome 9 security, um, kind of pioneering the, uh, the cloud security, um, cloud security. And uh, we were acquired a year ago by Checkpoint, and that's it. In this session, we're going to cover, we're going to talk about a few topics, actually a pretty long, uh, pretty long uh, list of topics. Uh, first, kind of the necessities, talking about the, uh, the shared responsibility and uh, what are our responsibilities. We'll go and uh, dive a little bit into a few recent breaches that happened. Uh, understand how the AWS, the AWS uh, security services, how they can help us, and how they, uh, more the broader context of the industry, uh, what they can provide us. We'll do QA uh, if we'll have time. Okay, so, um, Cloud security, right? The, uh, this is something very basic. I hope that by 2019, uh, it's pretty common for most of us what's the shared responsibility model, right? So AWS are required to protect their infrastructure, right? Their compute, uh, virtualization, uh, and their, their own services. And we as customers, it's our job, it's our role to protect uh, the, uh, the blue part, the, uh, the higher part, right? So it's, it's usually, it's usually, it's usually refers to configuring the AWS services correctly, right? Putting, uh, uh, setting up the encryption, uh, 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 turning on all the knobs of the security capabilities that AWS builds into the services. For example, if we have uh, EC2, for example, then we have uh, the security groups, the network security constructs to manage the security posture or some of the security posture of our uh, EC2 environment. What is typically absent from these uh, generic uh, images is, is not only the configuration of the AWS platform services, but also the configuration of the AWS security services. We're going to cover that throughout uh, this session. Also important to clarify what, what is the focus of this session. Uh, we're going to talk about our responsibility, right? So the staff uh, and breaches and all sorts of vulnerabilities with the AWS platform, it's out of topic. Why? Because it's so, so much less relevant for us. In fact, in fact uh, Gartner chief analyst, uh, Neil McDonald, has uh, predicted that uh, by uh, the year 2020, most of the security breaches, most, it's very most, 95% of the security breaches will be because of customer-related issues, misconfiguration, lack of activity to do something. So, so this, is, this is why we're really focusing around that. So, um, so, 
even though it's our responsibility, it's still pretty challenging to do, right? Uh, uh, um, in the, especially in the cloud, cloud environments, there is a sprawl of environments, lots of new environments. Um, sometimes even the central security team uh, does not even, uh, are not aware of the entire footprint that they have in the cloud. Actually, you can ask any kind of even uh, cloud user, how many instances you have in the cloud? And said, I don't know, it depends. Uh, Autoscaling, uh, lots of other services. So really understanding the, uh, the inventory and the attack surface is very challenging. The, uh, what we had in the past as a very solid perimeter, the network security perimeter of our organization, it's now comprised of, of multiple, many, many perimeters that are part of every Amazon service configuration. Um, and in addition to that, everything is, is, is in motion, right? All the processes, the operational processes, the security processes constantly evolve. Constantly evolve as our cloud footprint evolve, constantly evolve as we utilize and use more cloud native services, and as we onboard more security tooling and more uh, internal security practices. So that's an, uh, an ongoing challenge. So we understand that this is our responsibility. We understand that uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not trivial, and uh, the next the next section is, deals with understanding a few recent uh, customer-related issues in the cloud. The first one, I like to start with, uh, this is a data exposure. Uh, we've we've uh, uh, marked the, uh, the company name, but this is very common, an S3 bucket exposure due to lack of improper controls of the uh, S3 uh, uh, ACLs or policies. And this, this is not new. Actually, the, the breach itself is pretty new. It's from June 27. So it's pretty, pretty new. But we have seen, and I have given talks like that three years ago with very similar slides. And the fact that many years in advance later, we're still seeing these kind of challenges, this kind of company struggle with something that is by now should be basic. AWS has provided us lots of controls to lock down the posture of S3 buckets. The independent uh, third-party security vendors have provided lots of tools in order to mitigate, detect, and mitigate that. But still, we're seeing these kind of uh, challenges due to customers not doing their part in the shared responsibility model. The next, one, the next one is more obvious, right? Vulnerabilities. Vulnerability management, well, it's pretty obvious that it's Amazon will not patch our application for that. And by that, I do mean, uh, I do mean that uh, if it's a custom homegrown application, then we might use a vulnerable software package. Or if we decide to host a, a standalone third-party software product, it's up to us to constantly update that. So, just as a, as a little kind of a, a, a nice fact, this year alone, 2019, we had about 11,000 of reported documented vulnerabilities in the CVE database. Out of them, uh, more than 3,000 vulnerabilities are high and critical risk. So 3,000 vulnerabilities just uh, since uh, the beginning of 2019. 
it's more than 10 vulnerabilities a day. Uh, in this specific random CV, uh, it, it, it happened to be regarding a, 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 the Confluence uh, server, and I've got uh, a, our incident response team that was, were called to a, a, to a customer that had some weird CPU spikes. And in that case, uh, they detected a full-blown crypto mining operation running uh, uh, using the customer uh, infrastructure. The next one, this one is very, is very interesting. Uh, so this is talking about a very specialized attack against a cloud deployment. This is not a generic vulnerability that could be applied to on-prem environment as well as the cloud environment. This one is very, very targeted towards uh, a cloud deployment. So in this case, we've got a, a large financial company uh, that, that eventually lost about 100 million uh, records. And the source, the initial, the initial source of the problem was due to uh, uh, deployment of a homegrown or open source uh, WAF web application firewall that ironically had an application vulnerability. And that specific application vulnerability is called SSRF, which is server-side request forgery. It means that uh, uh, an attacker can trick the server into sending random uh, HTTP requests to internal addresses. In that case, the, the target, uh, uh, the attack was targeted towards the AWS metadata service. Every EC2, every EC2 instance uh, has got as part of the AWS infrastructure a service called, uh, called metadata service. Among the things that it's, it provides to the instance is the ability to get the, uh, the credential or the session token for that instance. So, so now the instance that is acting as a role WAF in that, in that case uh, uh, can have uh, the metadata service sending its credentials. Now, the attacker was able to get into this metadata service, so effectively it could get and, and have the same permission as this WAF role. Now, in addition to the software vulnerability, we had another issue under the responsibility of the customer, which is a, a misconfiguration of the uh, IAM policy, Identity and Access Management. So instead of having list privilege concept applied to that, uh, to that uh, role, uh, that role had access to read all the S3 data. So now the attacker having the session token uh, from their own uh, machine, being able to snapshot the S3 and getting access uh, to the private, very, very private financial customer data. On top of that, there is the lack of monitoring, right? So that, uh, it, it took many months to detect this very significant breach, and it was detected just because it was so public uh, that uh, that attacker has posted lots of stuff on public forums and on GitHub. So that, that's how it was detected. Okay, so, so it is serious, right? And AWS are very, very diligent in their desire to not only secure their platform, that's, that's a given, but also to provide the customer means to secure their own, to do their part in the shared responsibility model. Yeah, so in, in this next section, we'll, we'll uh, deep dive into a few of the services, and this is not the, comp the uh, full comprehensive list. This is uh, uh, an, an example of some of the services that AWS provides, provides us. 
The first one, and probably the most important one, and uh, uh, that's actually the oldest security service. Uh, I remember when AWS launched that six years ago in reInvent, and it's called CloudRail. CloudRail, for, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is just an audit trail of every API activity that is happening on the AWS platform. So every user now logging to, uh, to your console, making a change to some kind of uh, policy, a uh, security group, an instance, whatever, it's all logged in this, in this cloud trail. Now, the fact that, the fact that this, is, uh, uh, this is a great audit that, that provides a full comprehensive audit, it doesn't mean that the customer does not need to first enable that in every account, enable that in every region, and, and make sure that they're doing something, maybe forwarding this, uh, uh, the data to another secured audit AWS account, and then processing this information, creating alerts, making sure that someone is listening to these alerts, right? Operationalizing the alert cycle. So if the fact that AWS provided this super powerful tool does not mean that it's game over. There's still a lot of, uh, a lot of things for us to do. No, before that, that's, that's not the only security feed that AWS provides us. Um, there is another additional security feeds that the AWS platform uh, uh, produces, and it's up to us to consume them. So a, a, an example for that would be the VPC flow log, which is a network uh, uh, flow log style, uh, network, NetFlow style uh, uh, traffic log. So now instead of there is no need to deploy sensors and to replicate the data or whatever, you just turn it on and you've got a full, a full snapshot of all the traffic flows between any two components inside your VPC. Still, the customer needs to turn it on. The customer needs to process it and, and drive insights and alerts and, 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 and store that. The next service I'm going to cover is GuardDuty. Uh, threat detection, I think it was launched two, three years ago, uh, also in reInvent. Um, that service uh, ingests uh, data from multiple AWS sources, the two that I mentioned, the CloudTrail and the VPC logs, plus some um, uh, additional other, I think, DNS logs. And it provides, a, uh, so it's basically a, a, a threat detection service. They run some signatures, they run some machine learning algorithms processing this data and then, uh, and then uh, issuing alerts, right? So that's a very kind of no-brainer service, just turn it on. Uh, but on the other end, it's still up to the customer to properly to enable it in every, in every account, in every region, to process the events, do something with that. So still, uh, still some stuff for us to do. The next service is Inspector. Inspector deals with the vulnerability management side, right? So basically, it's an agent-based uh, solution, although there are some capabilities of it that can be provided agentless. But basically, an agent that sits in your EC2 instance and scans the software, the configuration, the operating system uh, uh, binaries, and uh, all sorts of, also a little bit of, of sending some, some metrics and about the behavior of the, of the machine, and basically creates uh, a snapshot of of the uh, vulnerability states of your systems. So that's, that's, that is a great service, but again, it's up to the customers uh, how, to, how to properly 
deploy agents, the, uh, uh, the Amazon inspector agents. Uh, maybe baking that as part of the gold image of the AMI or uh, providing that as part of the post-provisioning script, but deploying the agent and also configuring it, uh, giving it its initial policy, giving it its, its schedules, when to run. So lots of things uh, for the customer to do and also, again, to take the feedback of that service and feed a consistent operational model, build a, an, a, an operational or security, security operations uh, uh, on top of that. By the way, one of, uh, one of our services, uh, Dome 9, can help the customers to uh, really set those policies in place and make, make sure that the Amazon inspector is really productionalized. The next service is now, now deals with the configuration, with the state of the environment. So AWS Config is a great uh, service. Uh, uh, it's a pretty... Uh, it exists for several years now, so it's pretty uh, uh, mature service by now. And, uh, and uh, this service is, is kind of have two main functionalities. First, it's a configuration recorder. It, what does it mean? It means that every change to your configuration, every change of your setup is now being stored in a database, the actual state of the system. So unlike the CloudTrail event which just logs, hey, something happened, this is, this is a full log of the state of that environment. So basically, you could kind of move back in time, like a time machine for, uh, for your Mac, uh, move back in time and inspect how your system looked like a year ago or six months ago and inspect, uh, inspect those configurations. So that's one part of the service. The second part of the service is, uh, is called config rules, which allows you to act upon changes of such configurations. So now uh, you can have a Lambda function that is triggered upon a change in that configuration. So, so imagine a security group, uh, uh, security group configuration is changed and now it's opening port 22 SSH to the entire world, right? So you could, you could write a Lambda function that will detect this thing and then report it as a problematic. It does not comply with our policy. So now the service broadcasts uh, these insights into the, its control plane and now you have a nice kind of uh, a list of the problems, uh, the, uh, the findings in your environment. But that configuration, the config service, is kind of mostly reactive, right? Someone makes a, a problematic change and the service detects that, and hopefully you also automate the response or have uh, uh, people doing that. So, but still, it's kind of reactive in nature. And AWS uh, provides us additional services that are more uh, proactive in nature. So just a, a, little, a little poll. How many of you in the audience have... Uh, have in your company or under your management uh, uh, more than a single AWS account? Please raise your hand. Don't get them down. Of, of all of you have more than, uh, let's say, how many of you have more than 10 AWS accounts? Okay, still a, still a nice one. How many of you, still keep your hands, how many of you have, are using AWS orgs, organizational, organizational units? A little bit less, still consistent. How many of you that use AWS orgs are using uh, SCP, service control policies? Less. And how many of you are using control tower? I must see that. One, two, wow, 
Okay, so I'll do a recap and then, uh, so, uh, wow, that was interesting, by the way. Um, so, so, just, so, again, we were talking about reactive, reactive controls, and now AWS provided us a mean to, uh, to set up a very large uh, uh, infrastructure. Usually the best practice is to, is to split our environment into multiple smaller accounts. Why? Because uh, uh, first we want to control the blast radius, right? We've got some, some specific application. It's not much related to other, uh, other applications or maybe test some connectivity, but we want to uh, reduce the blast radius. So if that system is compromised, I don't know, uh, the IAM, one of the users or one of the machines, it's still it's very limited in what it can do. This is one thing. The, um, the other is also the fact that now you have smaller units that manage that account. It's not a kind of a catch-all, mega monolithic account that no one knows what's going on there. It's all someone else's responsibility. Anyway, back to, so, so multiple accounts are a reality. And now AWS provided uh, constructs or a service to manage that at scale. It's called AWS organization, which allows the organization to build a, a hierarchical map of the uh, organizational units, OUs, and then to assign resources to assign accounts into these units. Now, that's the management side. The security side is when they uh, provided a construct called, a service called SCP, Service Control Policy, which very similar to IAM uh, policies, we can now put an IAM or an SCP policy, we cannot assign it to an account or assign it to an organizational unit. So now we can, uh, we can put preventative measures and say, you know what, in that little account, let's whitelist these services, A, B, and C. Or you know what, let's blacklist these services that we do not, do not wish our developers uh, uh, to use in, that, in these environments. So again, this is a kind of preventative. Uh, so even if I'm a root user on this, on this, uh, on this uh, little account, I cannot, I cannot do whatever uh, things that violates the SCP. Now, so in order to create this kind of multi-account constructs, AWS have, have launched pretty recently, I think it was uh, launched this re uh, last uh, reignite, uh, re, uh, reinforce, sorry. That was a competitor event. <laughs> and uh, in the last reinforce, they have uh, introduced this, uh, uh, or uh, the control tower service, which tries to operationalize uh, something that they usually did in a kind of uh, more of a professional services manner, really providing a service for the customers to onboard, uh, to onboard uh, and kind of they have the account vending machine, a way for the account, for the account owner to create those those little machine, uh, those little uh, accounts for the developer or for a new product or a new service. But uh, it's, it's still pretty new and still uh, some rough, uh, rough uh, edges, but uh, hopefully we'll see that uh, uh, progressing. Okay, the next service is uh, Amazon Macy, which is a data security service, right? So Amazon Macy is actually doing three different things. First, it deals with discovery of the data, right? So we send it uh, uh, to now uh, go and scan our S3 buckets. Now it scan every object, every file in those buckets, and using some rules, regular expression, and some machine learning algorithms, it classifies the data. 
The most important thing it looks for is uh, 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 credentials that are stored, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, a private RSA key or an Amazon credentials, but also looking for PII and all sorts of uh, lots of lots of classification of information. The second thing is around the data, the data access, data configuration. So it looks at the Amazon S3 bucket, it looks at the bucket policies, it looks at the, uh, uh, at the bucket ACLs, it looks at the object level ACLs and then give you some insights and recommendation. The last part is by looking at the CloudTrail information and looking at the uh, access log of the S3 service and now trying to, to build kind of baseline of activity, UBA style, uh, baseline of activity, where they try to predict uh, uh, the access pattern of every bucket and every user, uh, IAM user, or a role that connects to the data. And then hopefully uh, uh, issuing uh, uh, alerts when an anomalous activity was found. Again here. The, the, the responsibility to properly configure the service, properly uh, pipe and re react to the alerts, probably uh, uh, the, the responsibility to look at the, at the service dashboards is up to the users, of course. In order to assist us to, to do, uh, even, even this short session, you've seen so many different data source, data feeds that we need to configure, need to, uh, uh, to analyze. So AWS provided a new service, uh, and, uh, and Security Hub was launched, I think, last reInvent. So it's pretty new. Uh, Security Hub, which at the core of it, it's a, a data aggregation and normalization service. Uh, what does it mean? It means that Amazon did a lot of groundwork in describing a, a normalized model for a security event, a finding. They call it uh, AWS, security finding for what? format. To, used to be called AFF in the past. And, uh, and basically, uh, all sorts of properties, and they did that for, uh, they asked all their internal service teams, and also they, they reached out for, for us and other vendors, uh, their partners, in, in trying to find the normalized model of every vendor, every configuration. Eventually, uh, they, made, uh, they made all those service integration between their own services, and also ask for the partners to integrate uh, their own services with the Amazon uh, Security Hub and with the, uh, the specialized normalized format. So now you have a nice database that is normalized and contains all the, all the findings in, in a common, in a, in, again, in a, in a, in a common format. That, that means that you can now use the service to do all sorts of interesting drill downs. For example, they have a report that for, for specific ins, uh, Entity it could be an EC2 instance. Show me all the findings that you have across the AWS services, all the alerts that third parties send on that entity, all correlated into one platform. So that's pretty powerful. And this is a, a very special announcement about the new service. Well. I'm not going to announce here and and and, uh, and steal the thunder out of the another AWS uh, security team. But you can imagine, and I'm sure you'll hear in this reInvent, actually I know that you'll hear in this event about at least one additional security service, right? And, and that's a common practice. So next reInvent, they will have new services. And new services and new, ser new security capabilities for existing services, right? So 
so, so that's a constant thing, right? This change, this evolution in the AWS, in the AWS security uh, platform, it's, it's a constant thing that it changes. So what does it mean for us? Um, we cannot expect everyone here in this room to, to be on top of every new AWS, uh, AWS service, right? Uh, today it's quantum computing. By the way, I, I, I said it as a joke and I saw, uh, I saw uh, in, in Twitter just before the show that it's, they just launched that. So uh, all sorts of, of crazy services. We cannot be on top of that. But what we need to be on top of is the, these security services. So please watch out. AWS has lots of ways to notify those, uh, uh, those services. By the way, the AWS security blog is a very, very recommended uh, reading material. So we must be on top of that. But that is not enough. And security is a very, very dynamic landscape, right? Every day there is AWS creates a new service, which creates maybe a new challenges for security. So security is by nature a very dynamic uh, cat and mouse kind of game. Uh, and also in, in security, consistency is a very, very important property. So for example, uh, let's say uh, uh, you are an organization which have already data centers, right? On-prem data centers. So consistency between the on-prem stuff and the new dynamic stuff in the cloud. Uh, so, so hybrid setups and multi-cloud setups becoming a reality. So maybe not every customer has a hybrid multiple cloud setup, but it is becoming more and more common, especially in the larger organizations. So consistency in the tooling, in the operational models between those environments is also a key property, which provides a, an opportunity for the third-party security ecosystem. Another thing that, uh, that is very uh, assisting this, this thing is the rich API. So AWS are cloud, uh, sorry, API-first company. They develop the API for the service before they develop the UI. What does it mean? It means that you, as a customer, or uh, you as security vendors have untethered access to the AWS, almost the internals. So I can talk about my own experience. So we launched at Dome 9, uh, our most successful product, the Dome 9 compliance engine. Uh, it, it was launched two years after the AWS config rules was launched. And still it was a huge success. We took another approach. Uh, it came with a, a very uh, easy to use, and it came with a lot of content inside and, and no coding kind of uh, uh, experience. And it was a very, very successful, and we didn't feel that AWS are crippling us as third-party vendors because we had the same access to the same APIs that the config team has. So uh, trying to understand the domains that the third-party ecosystem plays in. So, First, and close to my heart, is uh, cloud security posture management, according to Gartner, the Gartner term, this, uh, this, uh, this term. And this is uh, one of the most important initiatives for your cloud. So uh, ability to understand all your posture, all your configuration, all your policies, and have a good understanding of what is exposed, what is vulnerable. So that specific realm, again, because the API first nature of the environment, it's, uh, there, are, there are multiple vendors in this space and, and, and we are seeing innovation constantly. The second, uh, the second uh, uh, category, which AWS does not have any specific uh, uh, inherent uh, uh, value, is the cloud workload protection. Okay, in the, by, by, uh, by, uh, the, by the term we mean 
the, uh, by the term workload, we usually refer to everything, a compute element that lives in the cloud and executes our code. So it could be a virtual machine. It could be a, a container running on ECS or a container running on EKS, or it could be a serverless Lambda function. Now, in this realm, we can find traditional security players that, that you know, uh, uh, have a robust Linux and Windows uh, security software. Uh, and, and we can find the new uh, kind of uh, container security players, and even to the bleeding edge, which, uh, which are serverless security players. By the way, this morning, uh, Checkpoint has announced uh, the acquisition of Protego, which is the kind of uh, this new uh, uh, bleeding edge serverless security platform. And that technology uh, that lives inside the Lambda function Okay, as a layer, as a library that is included in this uh, Lambda function, has unparalleled context and visibility from security perspective versus traditional network-based approach or configuration-based approach. So again, there are lots of innovation in that, in that space. Another uh, relevant realm for uh, uh, third-party vendors is the vulnerability management. And, and again, uh, we could talk about vulnerability management that is performed on the code. And there are lots of companies that are doing uh, scanning the codes. Uh, either it's your code, scanning for vulnerabilities and uh, um, uh, check marks, or there are, there, there are some other companies, or uh, companies that, that uh, uh, scan the dependencies, the open source dependency. It's called software composition management, and we've got some, 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 uh, some nice uh, uh, companies over there, for example, uh, Sneak. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you've got, and you've got the, uh, the companies that are focusing on the actual server and protecting and understanding, very similar to what Amazon uh, Inspector is doing, uh, companies like uh, Tenable that provide very, very robust uh, products. So it's, it's a very, very lively uh, uh, ecosystem. And by the way, usually it is very probable that uh, your organization is already invested in, in one or more of these tools for their on-prem software development. The last piece is threat detection. So I've mentioned, uh, I've mentioned uh, uh, several services that of AWS that analyze the AWS produced log, but there's a lots of third-party uh, um, threat detection system. So it could be the SIM providers or the log aggregation providers. For example, Splunk has uh, invested a lot of uh, resources in digesting, ingesting the Amazon uh, native data feeds. Also, uh, uh, Sumo Logic and others. And, and also, a uh, purpose security vendor, cloud security vendor, that are focusing on, on this mission of threat uh, detection. For example, Checkpoint has launched this year a product called uh, uh, CloudGuard Logic, LogIC, which also analyzes, provide threat detection and threat investigation for cloud-based logs. So this is, again, a very, very hot ecosystem now for third-party vendors to innovate on. So uh, we understand kind of the problem statement and some of the solution. I want to give some kind of uh, uh, two driving trends that continue to shape the evolution of this uh, uh, the evolution of this industry. So, one of the trends is the shift left, right? What does it mean? It is it is now pretty much understood that uh, as you push security decision making stuff, as you push it closer to the developer, it is cheaper, more efficient, and more secure to deal with it there. 
So, uh, so what do I mean by that? So for example, uh, now, uh, of course, we can apply uh, static code, uh, code checks for the application code that our developers uh, write. OK, we can apply uh, uh, dependencies, uh, scanning all the dependencies of the that, that the developers commit, just when they commit it, right? But now in the cloud, and that we, we could actually do that before, right? On, even for regular on-prem software. Then uh, now with the cloud and the fact that it's infrastructure as code, the fact that our environment is defined by a cloud formation file or driven by a Terraform file, we can scan these guys too and, and get security verdict. So now we can push, instead of someone makes a change to the environment and we detect that and maybe remediate that, we can push that all the way to the, uh, after the commit of the developer or, or the DevOps guy or gal. Uh, in addition, the fact that the cloud allows us to provide these kind of repro reproducible environments, so it's very easy for us to create a staging environment that looks almost identical, like the production one. So deploy everything to, the, to, the, to that environment, have our live system scanning that environment, getting a verdict, and then progressing that to production. So all that is a reality these days. So this trend, how can we push, how can we push more stuff to be done in earlier phases of the cycle is driving a lot of the forces now. In order to give you some, some kind of very, very uh, uh, tangible examples, this, this time from the open source uh, community, there is a, a project called CFN NAG, okay? And this project allows you, it takes as an input a cloud formation file, and then it, it processes that file and gives you a verdict. And uh, lots of AWS kind of 101, security 101 uh, is already implemented there. So from security group uh, 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 analysis to some IAM and encryption and also it's already there. So, so there is no reason not to integrate these kind of tools into your uh, development pipeline. The other tool which is uh, easily accessible, it's NPM audit. So if you have uh, Node.js uh, uh, deployments, so there is nothing easier than running, uh, uh, adding one, one liner to your CI/CD pipeline to run at least uh, a software composition analysis of that Node.js without dealing with any vendor or anything. The second trend uh, that is driving and pushing the environment, uh, our ecosystem, is the automation. Now it was easiest for me to say, yeah, you must automate everything. But I actually want to, to bring it to the discussion and, and, and talk about the other, the dark side of automation. So first, let's get things straight. If you have a large AWS environment comprised of multiple accounts, multiple environments with lots of, with lots of change, lots of velocity to push changes that, automation is the only way to tame that beast. Okay, so let's get that clear. Now, after we clarify that, uh, I would like to talk about the dark side of automation. And by that, I usually refer to auto automating an immature process, okay? So we have any immature processes. It could be in the, in the detection side, in the configuration management side, and, or, or in the, uh, the operational uh, recipes of what to do with these findings. So we have an immature process, and then we automate it. And that could lead to a lots of undesirable uh, consequences. We've seen several attempts by companies to automate, and, and, and mostly I'm talking about automating the remediation to automate stuff, and then, and then immediately stop this process once this little script 
turned, uh, killed their production environment, right? So why is that? Uh, I think by this, by this stage, we came to a, a pretty significant matureness in our software developer capabilities, right? We have lots of software, secure software development uh, practices, and we've got uh, 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 peer reviews and, 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 and pull requests and unit tests and integration tests, and for the operational side, we've got all sorts of chaos engineering and everything. The only thing that is not covered uh, so much is the security automation engineering. As, as, a, as a practice, right? And there, usually, we don't have a lot of tooling and don't, don't have a lot of know-hows. So imagine, imagine some, so, someone uh, from now, usually not from the product team, maybe from the security team or from the SEC DevOps uh, uh, practice that writes some remediation script. Uh, hey, someone has launched an instance in an unapproved region. Bang, the script kills that instance. Now, immediately, the auto-scaling uh, script uh, returns that instance alive. And now we've got a, a war between, between uh, conflicting scripts that are fighting with each other. It leads to undesirable results. Or again, this automation script that had a little bug that, uh, that no one has reviewed because they don't have the same practices of security development. And now you've got a, a time bomb waiting for some specific condition to happen in production just in time to kill your precious database. So, so this is why my advice to you is set the goal of automation as a desirable goal. And as I said, automating your security is the way to go. But the way together is kind of taking baby steps approach, right? Rule by rule, recipe by recipe, remediation by remediation, you automate that in a very, very kind of safe and mature way. For example, before, uh, uh, now when you establish, let's say, a, a detection signature, a configuration problem, and now you want to fix that, let it, let it instead of actually fixing, just sending an email or write, uh, sending a Slack message, hey, uh, uh, if I was in production, I, I was about to run this script, right? And have a human per a, a person, a human being, running that script and seeing that everything, okay. Once you are really confident about that practice, now you let, you unleash the robots on your live environments. So in order to kind of uh, wrap up and, and provide some recommendation, so I think that by now we understand that security and, and, and securing our part in the shared responsibility model is our, is our challenge, right? Uh, we understand that the cloud surface is broad and it constantly evolves, so we must stay on top of that. Uh, we should constantly, constantly spend time on understanding the new AWS security offering, be it a new security service or just a security addition to one of the existing services, the, the services that we actually use right now. Also, we must to consider third-party services where it makes sense for us. So have a clear decision. Hey, in that case, I prefer to use that vendor. In that case, I prefer to use an Amazon native services. And and just be diligent, don't compromise. Uh, this is, this is a, a tough game, but uh, uh, it takes you know, uh, one problem on our side to get our system compromised. So let's not compromise on that. Uh, and now, uh, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, the vendor side, right? And we are uh, a checkpoint our side to that. So that's uh, uh, kind of our plug into that. And when you come into evaluating a vendor to work with, 
there is a very, very large sprawl of vendors in this ecosystem. And what I suggest, recommend, is to find a vendor, uh, instead of working with you know, 10,000 uh, security vendors, find only a bunch of a few uh, vendors that you can work with. And uh, for example, Checkpoint can provide a very, very robust network security and prevention for your environment, can provide uh, this is the Cloud Guard IS can provide as part of the uh, of the Dome 9 product a configuration management, configuration monitoring, and threat detection and protection with the Logic product. In addition to SaaS protection for your uh, productivity and email applications. If you'd like to continue this discussion, you're more than welcome to visit the Checkpoint uh, booth. Uh, it's on one of the corners. And, uh, and uh, continue these discussions, uh, whether around, again, network security or configuration and cloud security posture. So by that, I'm, uh, I'm done here. Thank you very much. And uh, wishing you a great reInvent.